This is Connected Nation, a podcast focused on all things broadband. From closing the digital divide to improving your internet speeds, we talk technology topics that impact all of us, our families, and our communities. On today's podcast, we talk with Doug McCullough, the Chief Information Officer for the City of Dublin in Ohio. He has not only helped navigate the city through COVID-19 measures, but is also a leader within Black Tech Columbus, a group with the mission to provide space for Black Tech professionals to connect, collaborate, and create. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Connected Nation. I'm Jessica Denson, and today we're talking with Doug McCulliffe, the CIO of the City of Dublin, about connectivity for cities during this unusual time and expanding opportunities for Black tech professionals to grow and network. Welcome, Doug. We're really happy to have you today. Hi, Jessica. Good to talk to you again. Before we begin, uh, I would like to give our listeners a little background. I do that for everybody who joins us, um, just to give people an idea of what your expertise is and where you come from. So if you'll humor me for one moment, I'll do that before we begin with the questions. Okay. Doug attended the University of Toledo, earning a degree in information systems, and later received his MBA from the University of Notre Dame, where his interest in technology and people management merged within a business context. McAuliffe worked for Alcatel-Lucid, before shifting into public service, taking positions at four different state of Ohio agencies and one municipality as the Director of Information Technology for the City of Richmond, Virginia, before he arrived in the City of Dublin. In his role as CIO for the city, he's directed 100 gigabit transport network implementation and extended Dublin fiber optic system into the Dublin City Schools District. He also supported implementation of the 33 Smart Mobility Corridor for testing connected and autonomous vehicles and established a device and data collection grid as part of the Smart Cities initiatives, all of which were important before but now take on a new importance within the context of COVID-19 school and business closures. In addition, two years ago, he was part of forming the new group, Black Tech Columbus. Doug, let's begin with some of your work with the City of Dublin, and then we'll move into Black Tech Columbus. You were already working to create a smarter city before the pandemic. Share with us your approach to that and why it was so important to you. Well, it's interesting. People have been saying that the pandemic has simply accelerated uh, innovation and development that was already going to happen. So it, it did in 10 months what we expected to do in 10 years. And so we had a future outlook before, and we knew that we were going to have to make use of data and and infrastructure and services and policies and all sorts of new innovations like that. And since we had started that, uh, it became extremely important after the fact, starting uh, simply with people working from home, which, as you know, requires a solid fiber or broadband network or access to the Internet, which we had already been working on and focusing on. And then having access to good software and the ability to engage cities with services uh, and uh, applications and algorithms and those kinds of things. We'd also begun uh, performance analytics and working on gathering our data and using it to make better decisions. And all of this became very important when people were no longer able to just walk into City Hall or walk into a school and just start talking to someone. Uh, the ability to innovate in making decisions became that much more important. Do you think that there was more of an awareness that uh, came out of that, of the importance of being connected and some of that groundwork that you laid was vital to being able to respond? 
I actually think uh, certainly there has been more awareness, but there's also been people just being thankful that, okay, well, what do we have now? What do we need? And can we get there from here? Um, And so people who have access to the internet assume it's going to be there and sometimes take it for granted. And I think in some of the work you do, you know that in, in other areas, there are places where people say, well, we're really in trouble now because, you know, we can't do what we need to do without uh, a real big internet build out at this time. So uh, there's a, a difference in attitudes depending on what your situation was before the pandemic hit. Uh, but the urgency around being touchless, around social distancing, and around getting accurate information to for your health and for your community resilience has become front and center the top priority. How do you shift from a 10-month plan to a 10-year plan? Is it all hands on deck at that point? Uh, not necessarily. I, I, I will remind you that while we see technology and communications infrastructure as primary uh, right now, uh, a lot of other things have had to do with uh, public safety and uh public health, uh, which many people do not associate with technology and communications technology. It's a nice to have, but we have to work on our own where that's concerned. We don't always get people having an awareness that, hey, the reason why we're able to do this and what we're going to need to do in three months is because of this technology. So we are working kind of behind the scenes without necessarily people recognizing the criticality of our work. But that's okay. Everyone, it is all hands on deck. It's just that a lot of people are not looking at technology uh, because there are people dying and there are, you know, services that need to get started and people being evicted. And there are so many different concerns right now, you know, including, you know, social justice and surprises that, that, you know, we wouldn't have put this in one single moment if we could do it again. But here we are in one single moment, right? Yes. And do you think this is going to change the way people do approach technology? Because as you said, our, our organization really cares about um, making sure that, uh, well, we care a lot about digital inclusion and digital equity and making sure that vulnerable populations, whether it's low income or minority or um, other groups such as that, that may not have easy access to technology have it. Do you think there will be a shift in your, and just in your opinion, in some of that um, importance to close the digital divide that we have now? Absolutely. I think that people have become aware of the need to be distant, the need to work remote, the need to remain connected. Uh, There are so many things that are not necessarily technology or digital, but can be mitigated or helped by digital innovations. So, yes, I do think that there is a consciousness about it. And it doesn't much matter whether people say we need network or we need connectivity or we need to work remote. Uh, It's all the same thing. Uh, But I don't think that we're going to move forward without a much better appreciation for what is it going to take for us to remain connected while being socially distant and to run an economy and to run an education system and entertainment and mental health and basic city services and public safety? How are we going to do that if we can't stand in front of each other or sit in a room together? Um, We're definitely going to continue with those questions. 
Let's shift a little then to um, a group that you founded about you or you were part of the founding group uh, about two years ago, uh, Black Tech Columbus, that has a focus on helping black tech professionals or those who those who could maybe be interested in it or or grow their opportunities for black uh, black people living in Columbus, Ohio, specifically um, with coming in contact with technology, understanding technology, learning about networking. Um, actually, I'm trying to explain it, and really, you should explain it to share with us a little bit about Black Tech Columbus, how that came about, um, and why it was so important to you to start something like that. Well, we just celebrated our our first two years, and so we've had some reflections recently about how we found it and why we found it and what were the visions so there were more than just my vision there, you know, as co-founders, uh, a number of us came together and said, you know, we need to do this and yeah, we need to do that. And there was a Venn diagram where we all kind of connected and agreed on that vision, on a single vision. But one of the things that where I was coming from was, you know, I worked for with uh, as uh, advisory board member to an organization called Perscalus in Columbus, which helps adults gain technology skills and training uh, to, to shift their, their lives into a new technology-based uh, career path, which is awesome. Uh, but when an adult goes into a new career where they are suddenly the junior member of the team, there can be a lot of stress on that. And we're finding that Black technology professionals are, are often in team environments that are awkward or uncomfortable or where immediate support is not necessarily there. Sometimes there are so few Black people in an organization that you can't even form an affinity group, which some large companies have. You'll be familiar with them. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can't necessarily have a sustainable affinity group because the structure is not there. I can imagine that would be very isolating to not have someone that you can be a mentor or, or talk to about how you're feeling about that. It is. And I think we take that for granted sometimes mm -hmm. that we can blow off steam. You have a water cooler. You can, uh, you know, there are so many opportunities to just have a friend at work. And uh, certainly black technology professionals have that as well. But there are certain things that you can't necessarily talk about, like your hair. Uh, if you're a black technology professional, who do you talk to about how you wear your hair? And it may not seem like such a big thing, but it is a big thing in a professional environment to be able to professionally network. So that's one of the things that led us to uh, gather and create a space where people could talk and enhance their careers and have those kinds of conversations that allow people to gain access to opportunities, uh, to get feedback to find mentors, to mentor others, so many different kinds of professional things that, you know, our community was finding we did not have the opportunities for. So uh, that's part of what led us to create something that would give us more of a base for operations. So um, tell me how it's gone over the last couple of years. Has it evolved and changed or was it what you, you thought would was the uh, desire for that um type of group really um, out there? Did they do, did you get a lot of response? I guess is what I'm trying to ask was, um, and not only did you get a lot of response, but were you seeing some of those needs that you, you felt were not being met and then finding out there were new challenges or actually new opportunities as you went along? 
Well, it's gone awesome. And yes, it has evolved and changed. And uh, both of those are really great things. That's growth. So first of all, we, our theory uh, did turn out to be correct. When people hear about this, and this is not just black people, by the way, Mm -hmm. when anybody hears about this, they say, this is awesome. I think it's great. Let's get together and just socialize and learn from each other and have conversations. And now there's a group of people who can help you uh, support this community. And so a lot of good people have come out there. Companies have come out and said, hey, we're trying to recruit people. And they've come out and said, we're trying to retain people and we're trying to advance people. And and there's so much work that needs to be done. Can we have conversations with you? So we did have a conference uh, last year when conferences were a thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and it was really, really amazing. And so we have grown. And I will say that with the George Floyd protests and, and the social justice awakening that we're seeing around the world, uh, Black Tech Columbus also felt compelled to make statements and to shift gears a little bit um, because we did not intend to be a social justice organization, but we are black professionals working in the Columbus area with access to resources and organizations. And so, you know, we put out a call to action uh, that basically answered questions that were coming from companies about what can we do? Uh we are a technology company and we have certain black professionals and we have resources. We don't know what to do. What should we do? So we put the call to action out there and, and it includes things like adopting a school and uh, changing your hiring practice to account for a second chance employees or uh, candidates. And if you don't know what that means, that means people who may have had some experience with uh, law enforcement or the criminal justice system uh, and have paid their debt to society and may have technical skills. How are we going to get them reengaged in our economy? And uh, having black founders get access to capital and black businesses so that more jobs can be created. And so we have found ourselves having a voice and a platform to have that conversation with our friends and allies and within our organizations. But it has all been extremely gratifying, very successful. And, you know, we're looking forward. We see this as a very long term uh, kind of a movement where people are better placed within their organizations and in a position to, uh, you know, be authentic uh, in their in their spaces. So in a sense, you're able to provide some guidance to companies in te- within the technology sphere to be involved in the community to um, help um, black professionals, whether they've had problems in the past or not, to um, grow their careers and be part of the community. Is And you've provided like actual action things that these businesses and groups can do? We have just uh, as amateurs. You know, we, we were never formed as professional diversity and inclusion experts, of which there are some, and they should be you know, consulted during times like this. But what we have found is that we've created a platform and we've created a place where companies and candidates can connect with each other. We've created a place where founders can meet each other and create new companies. And, and, and so rather than ourselves lifting ourselves up as experts, we found that creating a platform is 
where we can add more value. We could really take that away for just about any issue in the country right now to have a platform where we can talk with each other and find ways to to come together and build solutions and positive change. Um, I think you could really apply to that to so many things. Yeah. And I would argue that you are experts being that you're black tech professionals and you've um, uh, been in that space for so long. Um, uh, just a couple of more questions and then I'll let you uh, go on with your day. I'm, I'm sure you're busy. Um, do you think that this model with black tech Columbus uh, can be duplicated in other cities? And would you like to see that? It absolutely can. Some cities do have groups similar to this. Uh, what we were finding is that a lot of groups are focused on startup uh, culture and startup uh, environment, uh, which is awesome and should be done. We need to start companies and we need to do that. Uh, but sometimes we look at technology from the perspective of creating the next great app or the next great business model. What I am concerned about is serving and connecting to people who are on the service desk, to people who are banging out code all day, heads down, just doing the work, project managers, cybersecurity people, technical architects who are trying to survive in the industry and don't have a home uh, where where they can thrive. Um, And I do believe that we can unleash great productivity in some of the companies and organizations where people are employed by giving them that place to breathe oxygen, uh, because I do think some people are stagnating. So I do think it scales. It scales to uh, other communities. And we certainly have had some questions about that. We, up to our first two years, did not feel like we could kind of move into a chapter system. But we are getting a lot of attention, for example, from colleges especially, where people are learning the trade, really in need of mentors, and are about to be released out into the the community without really any contacts that that they can build a network from. And so we're finding that the professional community needs to dip into the college community before students graduate um, so that they have a community to get to. And if I could just say one other thing about that, that's extremely important for a region Uh, The state of Ohio has all sorts of investment they're doing to keep college students who we attracted here to go to college here to go to work, to get an apartment or a home or to set up a life. And uh, if people are leaving because they're not comfortable here or they don't recognize that this is a great community for them specifically, then it's bad for our economy. And so we see what we're doing is larger than just benefiting Uh, black people who are, you know, a little bit more comfortable in their job. We're creating a better workforce uh, to be available for the technology companies and startup culture that we want to have here. So we'd like to cover the full gamut of of development and not only uh, those people who are starting companies. Well, that's great. Let's uh, let's Ended on that. Um, is there anything that you would like to add, though, before I let you go? Uh, anything that you think people should take away about the importance of connectivity and technology right now? Yes, I, uh, I feel like the digital divide is more important than ever to really focus on. And we've reached a moment of awareness and consciousness, and we really need to push it over the top. We need to, we need to put our foot on the gas and we need to invest big in these areas. 
I'm seeing that happen at the state and federal level in the form of money, uh, but I'm not seeing that happen on the ground. And we need to have technology professionals and, and, and network advocates get on the ground, grab some of this money, build these networks, and help communities thrive with this technology. I do not believe that budgeting for it alone is going to get the job done. And so those of us who are technology professionals and C-suite executives need to roll up our sleeves and help the process happen uh, because it will happen outside of our organizations at a community level. So I, I just want to see us push our foot down on the gas. We've been working on this for a number of years. You could even say decades. Now is not the time to say, oh, it's great. There's several million dollars coming. That's not going to get it done. We're going to actually have to get in there and deploy that money and help communities take advantage of the moment that we're in right now. Bravo. I work for a nonprofit, and I'm pretty sure that down to the to the last person, we would agree with what you just said. Thank you so much. I want to thank our guest today, Doug McAuliffe, the CIO of the City of Dublin, Ohio, and a leader for the group Black Tech Columbus. Thank you, Doug, for joining us today. Thank you. I enjoyed it. I did too. We appreciate you sharing your expertise and your thoughts. You can learn more about Black Tech Columbus by following them on Twitter at Black Tech 614. That's Black Tech 614. I'll also put a link up to the group's website on in the description of this podcast. That website is blacktechcolumbus.com. I'm Jessica Denson. Thanks for listening to Connected Nation. If you like our show and want to know more about us, head to connectednation.org or look for the latest episodes of Connected Nation on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Pandora, or Spotify.